This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Taking a stab here, but I'm not sure a huge amount of us had given submarines much more than a passing thought until the recent announcement that Australia will join a new security alliance with the UK and the United States. That's so that they can share their top secret technology, which will mean we can build our own nuclear-powered subs. So, let's learn about subs, hey? We start with why they're such a big deal in defence, the contention around nuclear, what's going on with the French, and our chequered history with getting subs built. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Let's get our sea legs, Claire, with a really basic question. Why are submarines such an important defence asset? Yep, diving right into the important question, yeah. if you mind that Um, There's going to be a few, I reckon. (laughs) For Australia, they're important to state the obvious. We're an island continent. Uh, We're remote from the rest of the world. And our strategic interests mean that we really need the seas to be open. And what submarines do is act as a deterrent for any hostile power that blocks seaways uh, or would block our exporters from getting their goods to market. And what Aussie defence strategists say is having subs is about protecting Australia's prosperity rather than using them to fight any power from taking control of the region, although that is something hypothetically they could be used for. A lot of the power, though, of having a submarine fleet seems to be in their invisibility. Yeah, it's very cloak and dagger. Uh, Once a submarine leaves port and dives, it's essentially detectable only by relatively short-range sonar, uh, and to find them requires large and very complex search efforts. So what experts say is that it's the element of uncertainty that's a multiplier effect in terms of its deterrent capability. Yeah, they're sneaky things. Submarines were first widely used during World War One. They're now used around the world by nations largely to keep the peace and for intelligence gathering. They also have the capacity to be used to devastating effect during times of conflict. Yeah, they can be used to attack enemy ships or other submarines and for land attacks by launching missiles and they can be used to protect naval fleets and Mm. going into that secret squirrel capacity they're particularly useful for military reconnaissance and covert insertion of special forces. Lots of big military words there. Not all submarines can do all those things though it's like talking about a truck I guess there's different sizes and types for different purposes. There's smaller boats for rescue missions to large ones that can launch weapons. Important to note submarines are referred to as boats. (laughs) Exactly. And the other big differentiator is their propulsion method and how they're fuelled. Today, that choice is between diesel electric or nuclear power. Nuclear offers several advantages over diesel, especially in speed and endurance. The fuel supply of a nuclear submarine can last for many years and missions see them submerge for months. They only really surface for food and to give crew shore leave. Yeah, the crew do need to come on and off, of course. An issue with diesel electric subs, Claire, is they need to snort. (laughs) Don't worry, they don't have a drugs (laughs) problem. Uh, Snorting sees the sub rise to periscope depth and they run their diesel engines to recharge their batteries. That's a really noisy process. Uh, And getting so close to the surface, of course, means that there's a higher chance of them being spotted. 
So that invisibility cloak really is the ocean. There's also a political message that is sent by gaining nuclear-powered subs, or subs in general, but particularly nuclear-powered subs. They are such a formidable machine that analysts say that it sends a really clear signal that you're very serious about protecting your interests. Mm. They're expensive, they're complex pieces of kit, and to take that step is a signal about just how you see things in the region and what steps you're willing to take to defend yourself. Which is why the announcement last week that we were investing in nuclear subs is a really big deal. Let's get into that next. Australia Clare needs to replace its current submarine fleet. We'll get into the snakes and ladders of that in the next section. Let's get into now, though, the details of what was announced between Australia, the US and the UK last week. So the US and the UK will be sharing technology and expertise with Australia uh, to help us build a nuclear-powered submarine fleet as part of a newly announced defence pact known as AUKUS. That's the initials of Australia, the UK and the US. The signing of that defence pact has been touted as one of the most significant developments in decades and it's been looked at in the context of China's rise and its pressing claim in the region and the world. We've got squeeze shortcuts on many of those issues, including China's claim on parts of the South China Sea and the threat that could pose to open shipping lanes in Asia and Europe. There's also China's breaking of their deal with the UK over keeping Hong Kong free, Claire. And then there's their claim to Taiwan. Yeah, there's a bit going on there. And it's important to note that that issue with Taiwan is something that America says that it would intervene in if things really do head into the area of conflict. So China's been a lot more aggressive when it comes to wielding its economic might uh, with the US, with other countries, but also with Australia. And to Australia specifically, many of our exporters are feeling that crunch after China retaliated with trade blocks when the Morrison government called for a full investigation into the origins of the coronavirus. That's a couple of paragraphs on the China Australia relationship. We're going to return to subs though and how it relates to AUKUS. The first initiative under AUKUS is that agreement to help Australia build nuclear powered subs. Yeah, and we'll be just the seventh nation to have them after the UK, the US, China, Russia, India, and France. And there's a long road from here to having them in operation. And the three nations will be spending the next 18 months identifying how to deliver at least eight nuclear powered submarines for Australia. That'll include figuring out what they'll call, and this is the quote, requirements that underpin nuclear stewardship. You've got to explain that. (laughs) What it means is that Australia doesn't have nuclear-powered anything, Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of work to go into that mindset to find people and to develop the safety protocols that come with it. Talk about nuclear in just one second, but first, after that 18-month fact-finding mission, what happens then? Yeah, the UK and the US will share their technology and their know-how for that new fleet to be built in Adelaide. The plan is that they'll be in the water in the late 2030s with the decommissioning of the existing Collins-class subs. That's apparently going to start in 2038. If there's a gap between the new subs being ready to go and retiring those Collins subs, the short-term leasing of nuclear-powered submarines from the UK or the US is being considered by our government. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Claire, the subs won't actually be built and won't be in the water until late 2030s? 
that's a while away. Yeah, and there's been quite a bit of commentary that we've bought a fight with China now for defence assets that we won't get for 15 plus years. Uh, others say that subs aren't the be all and end all when it comes to our defence, mm. that the government is investing in other defence assets quite heavily in response, as the government says, to what's the changing strategic environment. Uh, and of course, the hope is that all of these things are, are very much a last resort, that diplomacy and cooperation is the way to go. As promised, going to return to nuclear. The mere mention of the word can send to some people nuclear, I guess, Claire. <laughs> What's the reaction been? Yeah, the announcement certainly stirred up that no nukes backlash from the Greens and those with long-standing anti-nukes positions. Uh, Greens leader Adam Bank criticised the agreement in a tweet. He said that it was uh, putting floating Chernobyls in the heart of Australian cities. He said that it makes Australia less safe. Critics, though, of Bant's position and others who hold that sort of view acknowledge that Australia developing the technology for nuclear-powered subs is a massive change, but they say that the nuclear technology has advanced significantly than that that was used in the Soviet Union in the 1980s. Yeah, and the Prime Minister last week was very keen to make clear that Australia was not seeking to develop civil nuclear capability, so that would include nuclear power plants, and these subs won't have nuclear weapons. Yeah, that's right, but it doesn't mean that New Zealand, who's our neighbour and ally, will change its position. Uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern was very quick out of the blocks, politely reminding the Australian government of New Zealand's very long-standing ban on any nuclear-powered vessel in its territorial waters. That's a policy that dates back to 1984 and it saw New Zealand partly suspended from the ANZUS Treaty. Yeah, she jumped on that one really quickly. With all of this, it's certainly a big change in direction for Australia. Let's take a step back now and look at what led us to be right here where we are are now next. We've talked about the rise of China being the reason for why these subs are seen as necessary by the Australian government. Our current fleet is also ageing, Claire, and it needs replacing. That's that Collins-class fleet that you talked about earlier. Australia, though, seems to have had a bit of a difficult history with submarine procurement. Yeah, that's been put down to politics and also the contest between politicians demanding that a big part of that build happen here in Australia as opposed to just a straight up and down defence procurement decision. It goes back to the 1980s, in fact. Yeah, that was when Kim Beasley was the Defence Minister and the Hawke government signed off on a plan to replace the ageing Oberon-class submarine fleet with an Australian-built fleet. Mm. At that time, a Swedish company, together with Australian partners, were selected by the government to build six Collins-class diesel electric attack submarines, uh, the first of which, HMAS Collins, was constructed in 1990. Uh, it was Commissioned six years later and in the water. The project was plagued, though, from the very beginning. There were allegations of espionage, technical difficulties, and also poor handling of design changes. It took roughly two decades to iron out all those issues, including that they were also too noisy. After a lot of money, it seems those problems have largely been fixed. They have, but 
they're still dated and they need to be replaced. And so in 2016, the Malcolm Turnbull-led government selected French shipbuilder Naval Group to build a fleet of 12 new attack class short fin barracuda submarines. Isn't that what they were going to be called? They're short, short fin, fin barracudas, yep. Short fin barracuda, there you go. I'm sure anyone who's glanced at the news across the last week has sort of read about the French thing. Let's talk about the French thing. This was to come at a cost of $50 billion, these submarines that were to be delivered by the French in the mid-2020s. It was set to be Australia's largest military acquisition in its history. But of course, things didn't go to plan. No, projections then indicated that the cost would rise to $90 billion Mm. and the delivery was delayed until the mid-2030s. So it was quite a miss. Uh, Reports also say that in recent months, there was a building concern that Naval Group would continue to miss the milestones. And there were also worries that they would fail to deliver on what had been promised about what was actually going to be built here in Australia. So I'm seeing a theme here. Building these subs in Australia has been a big deal to successive governments. Yeah, and that's about boosting domestic jobs, uh, but it also increases our naval defence capabilities by having people here who know how to build and maintain and run our defence assets. And Mm. for Australia on subs, that capacity is in Adelaide. Critics say what happened is that the approach, though, delivers substandard submarines and that it would be better to have them built where the experts are. Now, we don't swear here at the squiz Claire, but suffice to say, the murder has hit the fan (laughs) in France this week with the cancellation of that contract. It certainly did. The French were somewhat blindsided by the AUKUS partnership and the cancellation of that contract. France was informed only hours before that public announcement was made, and that's seen them recall their ambassadors from Australia and the US for talks. And the French foreign minister described the pact and the contract cancellation as a stab in the back. Is France's reaction a big deal or are they just having a tantrum? Oh, look, analysts say that their fury isn't actually just about the loss of the submarine contract. It's about the way France, who's one of our allies and an ally of the US and the UK, uh, and they have a presence here in the Pacific. Mm. It's about the way they were cut out of the picture in these secret talks between three English-speaking countries. So there's certainly some patching up to do there. Speaking of patching up, there's many questions about what China will do next. Yeah, that's right. There's many who are waiting for that shoe or the many shoes to drop. Mm. Uh, China's foreign ministry has described the agreement as extremely irresponsible, while Chinese state media has warned Australia that it's now an adversary of China's and that we should prepare for the worst. But Prime Minister Scott Morrison is an apologetic. He says that the security challenges in the Indo-Pacific region have grown significantly and we've got to step things up. And that's your shortcut to submarines. On to our recommendations. Each week we recommend some further reading, listening or watching. Mine is a really, really simple explainer by the ABC. It neatly sets out the basic details of the submarine announcement and about submarines just generally. Who knew? (laughs) It's a whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) I've really got into the BBC new series Vigil. It's been great prep for this conversation. It's on binge. Uh, And last year I watched a Tom Hanks movie that he's made for Apple. It's called Greyhound. It's about the US and Canadian troops getting from 
North America to Europe during World War II and they battled those German U-boats on the way over. They're very deadly submarines. It's relentless and really gripping. So it's a, a good one for a weekend. I described a vigil as gripping. So it seems anything to do with submarines is gripping. Absolutely. We're going to be gripped for the next 15 years (laughs) as we build these nuclear subs. (laughs) Thanks for listening into this episode of Squiz Shortcuts. Of course, you can always recommend a shortcut. We've got one coming up, Claire, on the IPCC report. Yeah, of course, climate change is going to be such a big deal as we head into November and the big conference in Glasgow. So it's good to get prepared for that. Yeah, we'll tell you who the IPCC are and all of those details in that shortcut. But yeah, of course, if you have another recommendation, hello at thesquiz.com.au. Until next week.